The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Francie Kaler on PIs Declassified. My guest today is Olivia Robinson. She investigates fraud and white-collar crime and heads up a licensed private investigation agency comprised of multidisciplinary team investigators. Good morning, Olivia. Hi, Francie. To- today she's going to be talking, telling us about condo owners. Beware of the Homeowners Association. So if you're a condominium owner or you're anticipating buying a condo, you need to be aware of this reality of homeowners associations. They're mostly unregulated, primarily managed by unpaid volunteers. So, Olivia, uh, before we get into this heavy, heavy-duty topic, because it is pretty heavy, um, tell us, tell the listeners how you got into first private investigation, and then how you got into investigating this kind of fraud. Well, my practice, I have been doing investigative work since 1982, and it's really evolved over time. I uh, originally had a firm called Competitive Intelligence, where I, I specialized in mergers and acquisitions. And then about 10 years ago, I got scammed myself. Uh-huh. And up until that time, I'd never really looked at, examined the people behind um, deals or behind a transaction. And so 10 years ago, I started my current firm, Background Intelligence, and have been looking at fraud and white-collar crime ever since, including the individuals that are pulling the scams. And so um, the condominium focus really came to me out of the blue through a um, somebody I was on the board with for the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. And this fellow uh, was not only a CPA, but he was also a certified fraud examiner. And as I say, he and I served on the board together. And he said, Olivia, I don't know if there's anything you can do to help, but I've owned this condominium for the last four or five years. And ever since I've owned it, I have never been able to get financial records. And so our little saga, (laughs) my trying to help him, started with uh, just a conversation at a board meeting. Interesting. Well, uh, tell us a little about what what uh, 
fraud examiners are, uh, certified fraud examiners? Certified fraud examiners come in all kinds of stripes. The Association of Certified Fraud Examiners is um, really a group of not only private investigators, but CPAs. They can be law enforcement uh, people, but they're, they all have a focus of um, trying to identify fraud and document it. And many of them testify in court about fraud. Um, and so it's a vibrant group. Many of them look at internal fraud, as in what happens internally if an employee rips off a company or um, customers, as well as external fraud. And, of course, my focus has always been on looking at the external fraud. And if I remember correctly, I'm not a certified fraud examiner, but if I remember correctly, um, it takes an immense amount of training to get that certification. It does, um, but the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners is really set up to license uh, CFE, so they have a very good process for doing that. Okay, all right. And do you mind, Olivia, uh, telling what how you were scammed? Sure, I was scammed. I was sourcing deals for a fellow. Um, Sourcing deals meaning I was finding acquisitions for him. Uh And he and I had been working together for about, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And um, I was busy calling people, seeing if they had a certain kind of company that he, he and I were both looking for. And somebody said to me, "Why, Olivia, why are you looking, why are you working with him? And I go, oh. Oh, and um, it turns out that he was one of the um, people responsible for the governor in Arizona having to resign with 26 indictments against him. And um, I, the more I looked at him, I go, oh, my goodness, think I've been working with him for a year and a half. Think of all of my unsuspecting clients, investors that don't have a clue who in the world they're dealing with. Hmm. And so when I discovered... Was it Ponzi? No. When I discovered, though, that the uh, grand jury who was looking at him and his involvement, um, one of the key witnesses was found dead, I go, you know what? (laughs) I really need to change... I need to get out of this business. (laughs) Yeah. Need to change direction. So... That's uh, that's the background of it. So, what was I don't remember the, about the governor of Arizona resigning. What was what was the fraud? Do you know what? I can't even remember. I can tell you that t- determining that my guy was involved and um, you know was being looked at by the grand jury and would have this outcome. I just said I can't. I can't be involved in that kind of thing anymore, mm-hmm. and I really need to know who exactly I'm dealing with. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, that led to the condo stuff, which is just, um, it's really sobering, um, Francie, in in terms of people looking at condominiums and getting really excited about their new purchase and, um, you know, relatively easy living, and then to discover afterward that many of their investments are worthless. Mm -hmm. Okay, So, so... Yeah. So, um, describe some situations you, where you've helped people. One of the most um, difficult cases was a woman and her teenage daughter um, that lived in Palmdale, and 
the they knew <laughs> their front door was knocked in by three masked men and mm. the woman and her daughter fled upstairs locked the bedroom door and uh called the police and thankfully they weren't harmed but that was the beginning of their really um, traumatic involvement with their homeowners association. The reason that the masked men were able to break in to the complex is because the security gate in the complex wasn't working. And when they discovered that, or when the, the woman discovered that it wasn't working, um, it led her to, to examine why that was. Well, it turns out that the Homeowners Association is supposed is responsible for collecting um, revenues, homeowners mm-hmm. dues every month, and they're supposed to, by law, maintain a reserve account. The reserve account in this case was non-existent, and as a result, there were frogs in the swimming pool. The security gate couldn't be fixed. There were all kinds of repairs that were required in the condominium complex that weren't, um, you know, it wasn't being maintained. And um, the more she got into it, she realized that the the complex itself was predominantly owned uh, owned by one person uh, that ended up, she learned through my help, the woman, the uh, homeowners association member, owned 32 units in the complex. These huh. were, um, uh, and I should back up. <laughs> the homeowners association itself, we discovered, was uh, there was only one board member, which of course is not um, <laughs> part of. It, it's not legal. The board is supposed to be a board, not one uh-huh. person. And this and, so and this the, board member owned the thirty-two condos. The board member owned the thirty-two uh-huh. properties. She was commingling accounts between her thirty-two low-income family units, which she had set up a nonprofit business, um, and so the thirty-two units were in her were part of her nonprofit. And she was commingling homeowners association accounts with uh, her nonprofit. The other thing we learned is that the homeowners association itself had been suspended by for not paying franchise taxes or taxes to California, and um, also there was uh, there were real questions about how these units were purchased um, using FDIC funds. So. My client was in a real predicament. Here she was living in a really dangerous setting with her teenager. Uh, She was also trying to care for her aging father at the time, and she had no money to hire an attorney. And um, so she ended up trying to rally other homeowners to oust this one board member. Uh Uh-huh. And I can tell you, for a Christmas present, she gave me the California Code to Homeowners Association. Oh, that's funny. Directly, so, yeah. was she successful? Do you know? I don't know. I lost touch with her. She had so many things. Her father ultimately died, and she was just overwhelmed. So I don't know 
I don't know ultimately what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So you were just helping helping her out. You weren't hired by her necessarily. I was, not, I was hired by her, you know, for a couple of hundred dollars here and a couple of hundred dollars there because she really couldn't afford it. But I was mm-hmm. so dismayed by what, you know, what we were finding in terms of the management of this um, uh, condominium complex. It was just, you know, devastating for her. Because the value of her condominium was obviously affected um, by police showing up at the door all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, do you happen to know how much she paid for a condo originally? I don't, but Palmdale is, a, is um, it's kind of known for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What a sad story, um, but you, but you know, you're right. I don't. Uh, I, my husband and I bought a condo once. I don't think we looked into the homeowners association either. I hate to admit that as being a private investigator, but we don't. We didn't. Um, so, what else have you gotten into? Well, one of the other um, situations that just. It, it makes me realize how really important not only the homeowners association and being aware of with the power that they have. Most of the homeowners associations are run by people that live in the complex, mm-hmm. and so you know they're working professionals, their parents. They you know they're dealing with elderly. Parents, they're, they're living their lives, and they also have agreed to take on this tremendous responsibility of being on the board of an HOA. And, but they're largely unpaid, mm-hmm. and some of the situations I've been involved in include one homeowner's group suing another homeowner's group, but because there's a lot of money that goes through the hands of the board, I mean, it can be millions of dollars depending upon the complex and mm-hmm. the location of the, of the property. Um, you know, it can be significant funds. And so it is often, because it's unregulated, it's often fraught with problems. And so as an example, one of the um, one of the homeowners that I tried to help, this was a complex in Valencia, and there were multiple units, probably eight, uh, eight units to a building, but multiple buildings in this complex. And um, I don't know how many buildings, but I'm going to guess 10. And the Homeowners Association decided to have all of them replumbed as in the plumbing replaced, mm-hmm. and the person that was selected was unlicensed and unbonded. And my client bought into the complex and uh, had to move almost immediately when she got really, really ill. And she was sick because of um, mold and mildew, and she, when I went to her unit the first time there was water standing water in the living room and the walls were all wet and it turns out that 
there were all the pipes were leaking. Well, a lot of the pipes were leaking, and um, so she called the health officials. And some of the units were red tagged; the people couldn't live there. And but she she was having trouble breathing, and so she was actually camping out at a friend's house while she was trying to figure out what in the world to do with her unit. And meanwhile, the homeowners association who was kept getting these complaints, kept were trying to keep a lid on things, despite the, the fact that they were being sued. There were numerous lawsuits, and owners were desperate to try and salvage the value of their unit, but of course they had to divulge to the buy, any new buyer that there were leaky pipes. Right. So the value uh. of the entire complex had, you know, it was just it had gone into the toilet. I mean, you know, was- this this is the kind of story, Olivia, you hear for, about slumlords. Uh, it's, this is amazing. Uh, we need to take a break, though. We, there's so much more to talk about. You're listening to private investigator Olivia Robinson. We'll be right back. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F-R-A-N-C-I-E 
at PISDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigator Olivia Robinson has much to report about getting involved with homeowners associations. Olivia, just telling us about this uh, poor woman who was sick because the pipes were leaking and they, uh, I guess they, you said they hired uh, plumbers that weren't bonded or licensed and, oh my goodness. So, so how... How did the Homeowners Association get involved? What happened well, next? Well, the Homeowners Association was really responsible for hiring the plumber in the first place. So uh-huh. they're, they're the ones that selected the unlicensed, unbonded plumber because it was a friend of somebody. And um, so the outcome was really questionable. And I can tell you that in looking at the board members themselves, one of the things I discovered is that the president of the board had been kicked off in lieu of uh, the HOA filing a suit because he was doing, he was, he was buying washers and dryers with HOA funds and either giving them away to his friends or selling them cheap. And so, you know, the whole board was, you know, suspect. Anyway, as a result of trying to help my friend figure out what in the world to do, I introduced her to a wonderful group of attorneys that specialized in class action suits because mm-hmm. it wasn't just my client that was harmed. It was all everybody, all the owners. And, and some and of them I don't were know trying to happened. sell, too, and they couldn't get their property sold, right? That's right. That's right. So the value had been plummeting um, because of, you know, because of the leaky pipes. And every, even if my client had tried to fix the pipes, and at one point she had the walls taken out and she was trying to find out how severe the damages were, but even if she'd done it, her neighbor's pipes and upstairs pipes were leaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, imagine. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you were able to at least now um, to refer her to somebody that was reputable that could take on their case. Right, right. But, Francie, I can tell you that when I had a friend a, a couple of weeks ago that bought a new condominium up in Portland, and I was telling her some of these stories, and I, oh, my, 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 my. She said, well, what can I do? I mean, she was in the, she hadn't actually signed the documents. So I kind of went through what, what I would want to do if I were buying a condominium. Mm-hmm. And she was very lucky. Um, she had copies, and most people don't even think about this. They're given these documents, but they really don't think about reading them. She had copies of the condo. She had a whole condo buyer's package. Mm-hmm. And so she had a copy of the CCNRs, and I had to look up to see what that meant in preparation for our program today, is covenants, conditions, and restrictions. Right. And these are really the, uh, the laws that rule uh, an HOA. And then she was also given the bylaws, and these are also rules that govern an HOA and a board. And so she had copies of those, and I read through them. Um, and one of the things I told her to watch out for is um, how the board, whether the board takes minutes or not. 
she was very lucky, and she had extensive minutes of that were prepared by the board of directors at each meeting. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I was able to review those, and uh, being a non-attorney, but having this kind of background with the condos, I looked for things like um, how the board dealt with reserve accounts. And okay. a reserve account is an account that's set aside to really maintain the property. And if you see that there are wild fluctuations in the reserve account and it goes from, you know, having millions of dollars in it down to thousands of dollars, that's Uh not a good sign because that's set aside really for the maintenance of the property. Is there a formula for how much the reserve account should be? You know, there is, and I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head what that is, what the ratio is, but uh, people that are, that really look at this are the people that insure the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the reserve account gets below whatever that threshold is, the insurance company will either raise the rates or they'll say you need to buy it, you know, find a new insurer, or so that's another kind of red flag is mm-hmm. um, whether the insurance has, a company has changed hands uh, recently. The other thing to look for is uh, whether special assessments have been issued, and this is where, let's say, like in our complex with the leaky pipes, um, mm-hmm that all of a sudden the HOA realizes, oh, my goodness, now (laughs) there's no way we have money to pay for this. So the the homeowners are then asked to put in like $20,000, $60,000. I've seen it all over the place where all of a sudden the homeowners have to cough up um, enough to make this repair, which is... It's significant, you know. It can be some people have had to move when a special assessment has been issued because they can't afford it. Can't afford it, sure. Yeah. So you should look at um, who who is on the homeowners association board, right? What kind of a track, track record, record they have, and um, is the has the board been around for a long time? Are they do they have litigation against them? Mm-hmm. I would always encourage. New and they're not going to hear. Listeners aren't going to want to hear this, but I'd always encourage them <laughs> to have a real estate attorney look at the documents. Mm-hmm. So why, um, when you buy a condo, there has to be a title uh, assessment. Why? Why doesn't the title uh, review pick that up? All of these I don't things know. Up? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. They're looking, I think they're looking at the chain of title to make sure that if I bought a property from you, that, you know, your mm-hmm. name would be on it clear and free, you know, free and clear. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know why a title company wouldn't be interested. Yeah. The other thing um, that is of great concern is the, um, if the property is managed by an external management company. Mm-hmm. Uh, this becomes really important because that the management company is really uh, they have oversight into what gets fixed, and they're your access point to if you have real complaints like the uh, elevators aren't working or you know the stairwell is filled up with bums. <laughs> they're right. your go-to point. Um, 
And so depending upon how they're selected and whether they were part of a bidding process in that selection, um, who reviews their performance, it's really supposed to be the HOA that reviews and selects the management company. Uh But they're a critical component in how well your property is um, cared for. Yeah, because I'm looking at I'm thinking of a situation where maybe there's a management company but no board of directors. That would be a red flag as well, wouldn't it? Big time. Okay. I've never heard of that, but, yeah, big time. Okay. And then uh, I guess uh, the Homeowners Association is responsible for maybe issuing a request for proposal and there should be some kind of a, a process to review potential applicants for a management association? Absolutely. And, in fact, not only the management association, but one of the things that was terrific in um, the buyer's package that I reviewed for my uh, friend that bought the Portland condominium, they had a whole uh, bidding process that was reviewed in the minutes, I mean, that I reviewed in the minutes, that described going out for bid for the gardeners, going out for bid for um, the painters. So they had a whole, and that's a very good sign because it means that they there isn't under-the-table shenanigans going on, which is very frequent with mm-hmm. HOAs and the management of condominiums. And I guess uh, probably assessments may be fairly common, but you need to really look at what the assessments are for. Are they routine? Are they, uh, is there an emergency every other year? That's it. And the the special assessments tend to dovetail with how how robust the reserve account is. Mm -hmm. So if the reserve account is where it's supposed to be, and um, then the need for special assessments is usually pretty rare. But, you know, if all of a sudden you have leaky roofs and you, and the reserve account is way low, then all of a sudden the homeowners are going to have to chip in uh, as part of this special assessment. One of the factors, too, that, Francie, that um, is, uh, uh, and this was particularly problematic in when we had the economic downturn, uh-huh. We had a lot of condominiums where the uh, where the value of the condominium plummeted, and the and people walked away from their units because uh-huh. they weren't able to afford the um, the payment. As a result, when when an owner walks away, the remaining condominium owners frequently have to take up the slack and pay the additional, the voided out HOA dues. So Uh not only are people, are the condominium owners paying their own HOA dues, but now they're having to to pay for the HOA dues of units that are vacant. And so that has, there are all kinds of problems with that economically. And so that's another thing that buyers of condos need to look at. What am I responsible for if, you know, half of the units are vacant? That's a good, really good point. And, and what about the, uh, the ratio of owners to renters? This is, um, uh, and buyers rarely think to ask about this, 
but it can impact not only your ability to get a mortgage, because mortgage companies look at um, how many renters are in the complex and or versus how many owners are actually residing there, but and they like to see um, a percent a, a big percentage of homeowner uh, homeowner occupants um, in in the place. But they also uh, the other group that is takes note of this, and that's the insurance companies. And that and the uh, homeowners association has to report that then. They do. They keep track of this. So I, I guess that's another way that you could be defrauded. They would could report inaccurate figures. Very much so. Very much so. So how does how does the owner renter ratio affect the property? Well, it can affect your ability if nobody can get if a prospective buyer, let's say, um, wants to get a mortgage and the mortgage company says, no, 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 there's 90% renters in there, we're not going to give a mortgage, um, then it affects your ability as an owner, it affects your ability to sell unless the prospective buyer has cash. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I guess there, you know, I guess the general idea is that renters don't take care of property as well as owners do. And I don't know what I don't know what the um, you know I don't know why they're looking at that. I just know that it's a factor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, if you have insurers that um, that aren't willing to insure the property, that's a that's a big problem. That is a big problem. Or you or you find that through looking at the minutes or the um, the, the, through the HOA, you discover that the insurance company has been replaced, and now there's paying, you know, premium premiums. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the premiums have gone way up for some reason. That's usually because the ratio of, I mean, who knows what, but one of the well, factors it could, may it be. could mean that their insurance has been canceled, and they yeah. had to get insurance from another organization. Yeah, exactly. So the minutes become really important. I'm talking about the HOA minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been involved in HOAs where they've had um, they've had votes, and there have been fraudulent votes. So there's all kinds of issues that can can come into play in terms of the HOA. So um, learning about who's on the board can be very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, so, I, you know, it's, it, there's so many things that, that uh, I actually had never thought about myself, Olivia. Um, you know, if the, if the board is operating fraudulently, um, what process can you even use to get to the bottom of it? Thank you. That's a really good question. Well, I'm going to go back to my um, my colleague that was served with me on the board of the uh, fraud examiners. He, as I said, had lived at his complex in Venice for about four or five years. He'd owned it and couldn't get financials. And at the time that we looked at, and our process took a couple of years kind of incrementally. He was mostly out of the country and really couldn't devote much time to it. But the um, he was very concerned because, as I say, he couldn't get an accounting. And when he realized that his reserve account had been drawn down over a million dollars, 
Mm. Olivia, we need to find out who these people are that are managing the money. I mean, this is just unacceptable. They won't give us any kind of meaningful accounting. They gave him, you know, they gave him like a one-page document, um, and but he couldn't as a as a CPA and as a fraud examiner, he couldn't make it uh, any sense. Couldn't out of make it. sense and, out of it. Yeah, well, Olivia, can you hang on to this a second? We sure. need to take a quick break, and this is really fascinating. That was the voice of private investigator Olivia Robinson. Stay tuned. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. Cali's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact Cali at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We've been discussing homeowners associations, and Olivia is just about to tell us what she got involved in with her friend trying to get financials from a homeowners association. Go ahead, Olivia. Well, before before I got involved, um, my client had hired an attorney, and he knew, he knew this was really wrong, and was not by not being able to get the financials. And the Uh attorney sent a demand letter to the HOA. And the Homeowners Association didn't respond. Just nothing. Nothing back. So then he sent a subsequent demand letter. And unfortunately, the attorney and my client didn't have a backup plan for what they were going to do after demanding the financials. And Uh the HOA never did respond. And so, you know, he couldn't, my client couldn't keep paying the attorney, and because they didn't have, he wasn't willing to sue, uh, and because he didn't want to fork out money all on his own, and he wasn't really sure kind of how bad things were on the HOA board, he asked me to, he hired me to look at them. And it was a seven-person board, and it was really run by one person, um, I discovered that she'd been convicted of real estate fraud. Oh, great. And her husband was also on the board. And so the two of them had been in cahoots and um, had been convicted of, and they had, it, it was multi-million dollar real estate fraud. Um, the HOA had a history of uh, tax liens and giving gifts to um, giving gifts to people, including some of their vendors. And the management company that had been involved was selected by this one woman that kind of ran the show that had had been convicted of the real estate fraud. Um, And so it was all this insider powerhouse that Uh was really running the show. And the only recourse um, that my client had was either to launch litigation single-handedly, which he wasn't willing to pay for, um, just to live there and shut up, um, or to try and um, put his own people in. He actually ran for a board spot and obviously didn't get in. (laughs) But um, during that time, he realized that there was vote rigging going on. And um, in terms of the selection process of the board, and basically he just decided to live with it. Yeah, and you know, uh, I mean, you can put yourself in the position of people that are living in the condos, you know, in the condos. Say uh, there is one person that is willing to take the responsibility and run things. And even if you're on the board, this person seems to be doing a good job and they seem to be on top of things. So you let them, you just let them do it and run with it. I can right. see that happening. Yeah, no, I can too. I abs- I I can too. If nothing, you know, it, 
if it ain't broke, don't. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Because as you said, people are people in homeowners association boards are typically volunteers. They live there. Um, as long as everything's going smoothly, why would they look any further than their nose? Right. Now, one of the um, one of the uh, things that came to my attention. This is another another friend of mine. She uh, bought a unit for her mother, who is a hundred and seven. Bless her heart. And um, she lives there with a with a caregiver. And in preparation for uh, her mother moving there, Louise had the carpeting replaced with hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. And after the hardwood floors were put in, the Homeowners Association sanctioned Louise for installing them without getting permission ahead of time. And the HOA told Louise that she was going to have to uh, replace the hardwood floors with carpeting in order to be able to sell the unit after, in the event that she ever wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I went to the Los Angeles County Recorder's Office to actually look at, to see whether the, the threat, the Homeowners Association threat had been recorded, and in fact it was. But what was startling to me is that I found that 32 other owners in that complex had received similar sanctions and penalties. <clears throat> and the thing that was bizarre is that the, the unit right next to Louise um, was required to replace their uh, carpeting with hardwood floors, which was exactly the opposite of what Louise was told hmm. to do. Wow. So it was um, very contradictory in terms of what the homeowners were required. But the other strange thing is that all of this, um, all of these sanctions started around 2006. So it makes you wonder what happened in 2006 to all of a sudden ramp up these um, uh, these sanctions. You know, and where's the money going? Exactly. Yeah. It makes you wonder whether this is some kind of a flooring installer contractor person <laughs> that's on the board. I don't know. Or if the if somebody on the board is keeping the penalties. Yeah. The same, could whatever be. is being paid. Yeah. Could be. Huh. So it, she's um, she's in the process of seeking legal advice now now that she knows that there are 32 others that are faced with the same deal. And 32 out of how many in that complex? You know, I don't know, but it's probably 100, I'm going to guess. Mm-hmm. Just from looking at it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, this is, this is really uh, a real eye-opener, actually, Olivia. It is, uh, it is an eye-opener because we have too much trust in this country, actually. We trust everybody to do the right thing. Well, and Francie, you know, our homes, that uh, we, they're so important to us, and we're so thrilled to find a place to call home and to be excited about, and we really don't want to be thinking about this other kind of sordid side of things. I mean, it's, it's not only 
distasteful to, to even think about having to get a real estate attorney involved in the purchase of a place. You know, who, who would want to do that? And yet I think it's really prudent. And, you know, people that, you know, if you think about the, if you p- would profile somebody that buys a condo, um, they, they want to eliminate clutter out of their lives often. You know, having to take care of a yard, having to take care of painting the outside, all those maintenance things that you have if you're a single family, family dwelling owner, or you want to simplify your life. You're getting, you're getting up there in years, and you want to pare down and have things taken care of for you. Or you could be uh, a family that can't afford a, a single family dwelling, and this is a stepping stone to something um, in the future. Yep, so there's all there's things. all kinds of profiles, but it's all based on somebody else taking care of other than your living quarters. Right. Right. And you trust that they're going to do that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the biggest issue because I can I can see that. I mean, as I said, my husband and I bought a condo once when we moved to Colorado, and we're waiting for a house to be built and. Uh, I guarantee you we never looked at anything to do with the Homeowners Association. Yep. Yep. No, it's Fascinating. it's totally understandable. You know, you, you're trying to meet a need, and this doesn't, you know, not part of the picture, not part of the vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so is there a way, if you um, were looking, for example, into the reserves of a homeowners association, is there a way to verify there they have what they say they have? There, um, before I'd buy, I'd want to see not only the minutes of the meeting, obviously the CCNRs that we talked about, the bylaws, which they're required to give you both as you're uh, purchasing the unit, mm-hmm. um, but I'd want to see the minutes of previous meetings, and I'd also want to see financials. Are you entitled to look at the bank statements? I don't know, but you could always ask. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I think your tip about having a real estate attorney look over uh, the whole process and somebody that not a, is not just a real estate attorney, but somebody that specializes in condominiums yes, and homeowners important. associations would be valuable very. before you, you purchase something like this. Very. Wow. So... Having said that, um, Olivia, would you purchase a condo? No. In fact, I'm in the process of starting to look for uh, a new home, and there's no way. <laughs> nope. I've uh, I've lived in them before. In fact, one of the um, one of the places I lived last was a loft in downtown Los Angeles, and I was I had a long term lease. And I was thrilled to be part of a new community, and I attended my first HOA meeting, and I was kicked out. <laughs> you were kicked out? I was kicked out. What, and, were you rabble-rousing, or what were no, you doing? No, <laughs> I sat there really quietly. <laughs> I didn't intend to say a word. But they wouldn't allow renters, and a good percentage of the residents were renters, and they announced the HOA meeting in the elevators, and uh, it was announced for all residents. I was a resident, but I wasn't an owner, and so I was asked to leave. And what did, did you do anything with that? Did you challenge it? Uh, no, I just I left. 
It was humiliating. In fact, my grandson said, you were kicked out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, and I can see that as well. You know, if I can see how a homeowners association board could take a stand that only homeowners would be there. Yeah. That does make sense to me. Yeah. So if you're wanting to participate in a community, um, I think having a vantage about how you want to participate as an owner or as a renter is, uh, you know, gives you a, a sense of how much participation you may be allowed. Well, and, you know, we've been talking all about the, the horror stories of <laughs> living in a condominium. But, you know, we, we really should say that if they're managed correctly, it's a, it's a great way to live. And, Francie, an HOA can enhance the value of a property. I mean, they, we've seen how powerful they are in, this, in our discussion, but they can absolutely make the whole difference between one that grows in value, is aesthetically pleasing, and a cheerful place to live. I mean, they can absolutely make that happen. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, and what do you think about regulation, Olivia? Regulation of 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 homeowners associations. I don't have an opinion. I haven't even thought about it. Hmm. What do you think about it? You know, I don't. I can see the uh, positive and negative. You know, um, regulation often makes uh, standards required. On the other hand, we, you know, we have a resistance to government intervention on things we should be able to handle ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't myself even thought about it much further than just this conversation we're having today. But uh, uh, I, I don't always, know either. I would always encourage homeowners to participate uh, either on the board if they're able to or at least go to meetings. Mm-hmm. And I've attended uh, many HOA board meetings, and um, a lot of information changes hands, both formally and informally, at the meetings. But the more participation, uh, I think the healthier the community. Okay. Now let's uh, let me switch gears for a second. You have a book coming out soon, don't you? I do. And the name of it is hoodwinked. Falling for the con. <laughs> oh, very Thank good. You for and, uh, yeah. So it's following the trail of all kinds of sham companies and uh, identity. What identity theft and identity theft. This is going to be one chapter of it. Uh, there's another chapter having to do with. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? A surgery center scam, so small business scams. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, trusting in people that shouldn't be trusted. A lot, okay. a lot of the writing has to do with Ponzi schemes. So, uh, very complex financial fraud that people fall into. They have no idea. So, okay. a lot of Hood- um, a lot of stories. Hoodwinked, falling for the con. When's it coming out? Later this year. And how can people find out about it? On our website, uh, backgroundintelligence.com, we're going to be, we were just hacked. So unfortunately, we're 
putting things uh, back together again. But there'll be more on speaking our Speaking of cons. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so it's Hoodwinked part- Falling for the Con. You can find updates on our website once we get up and running again. Oh, great. Okay. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thanks for sharing this cautionary tale, actually. Very good. And Thank you so much, my Francie. Two sponsors, PI Magazine and IRB Search. Join me again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Olivia Robinson with her new book, Hoodwinked, every Thursday morning, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's PI's Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 